is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. Learn everything you need to know to make a living outside the 9 to 5 grind and crush it at life. You'll learn from inspirational guests and in-depth discussions. Go from employee to entrepreneur and start creating a life you love and still pay the bills. So here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Let's get on with the show! This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status in recognition for their commitment to social entrepreneurship. Happy New Year! Powerful nonsenses. I mean, we've already done a New Year's episode, I'm aware. But Happy New Year again, because this is the first time we've recorded this side of 2016. I hope you've managed to get through the first week of work <laughs> without scars, battle scars. Um, but you know, last night, right, I was saying to you earlier, but I really struggled to sleep because I was on work mode. My brain was going... <gasps> First day of proper work, everybody's back to it. What am I going to achieve tomorrow? So I feel I'm kind of starting the working year feeling quite blessed, actually. Yes, because we got to speak to some great people this Monday morning. Yes, we did. And that's what we're here to tell you about today. So we interviewed Ollie and Zach from Bagsy. Which is a bag that basically is for travellers. Anybody going travelling and you know you have to get all the little bits and pieces They've kind of done that hard work for you, and it's a great mm-hmm. little product. And yeah, you can check their website, bagsy.co.uk. But um, it was just great to kind of speak to them and to find out really how they got things mm-hmm. off the ground, how um, they met actually. And also, what I found quite funny was how they kind of shared this idea of how many different ideas they had to fail at in some ways, but they obviously right. got lots of lessons to actually finally get to this product, which is they've taken to market. And they had some brilliant previous business ideas, <laughs> <laughs> in inverted commas, brilliant. Uh, no, uh, uh, but they they talk about all that, and uh, we have a good laugh. It was a really nice, relaxed chat. Um, really fun to talk to these guys. So um, yeah, we will hand it over to the interview for you to enjoy. Ollie and Zach from Bagsy. Zach and Ollie, welcome to the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. Really happy to have you guys on. It'd be great if you could introduce yourselves. I'm Zach. Um, I'm currently on the New Entrepreneurs Foundation. Uh, which is a year-long uh, kind of development course for future business leaders. Uh, I'm also running a startup, Bagsy, which is what you guys' content is about, with Ollie, who is about to introduce himself now. Uh, hi, guys. So uh, my name is Ollie. Um, uh, met Zach. It's all very lovely, isn't it? Met Zach at Lancaster University. Um, we both um, We both studied <laughs> management and entrepreneurship. So they taught us all that we know. Um, <laughs> probably not everything, but most things. Um, and yeah, I'm working on um, a startup with Zach called Bagsy, which is all about trying to help people um, we'll take the hassle out of all their travel packing. So you're welcome, all future travellers. Um, <laughs> and uh, we also work on a, another side project called Chasing Ed, um, just because we like things with with uh, with you know double meaning names or, or something like that, um, which is all about trying to help people chase the entrepreneurial dream. Um, seeing as we went through uh, quite a time when we were. Um, Working, working for the man, um, where we decided that we could really try and help develop some other resources as well, which I know actually is what uh, Powerful Nonsense are doing to a far greater extent than what we, we are doing. But well, yeah, it's great to much. be here, guys. Yeah, <laughs> screw you, man. <laughs> not, not you, the man. Screw yeah, the you, man, the man. man. <laughs> I'm careful, guys. I'm still working for him. <laughs> 
So um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask, obviously, you spoke about the fact that you guys did management and entrepreneurship at uni. And obviously, you hear lots of like Gary V's and all these other entrepreneurs saying it's like, not necessary, it's a waste of time. And you should just jump into actually getting that sort of experience in your own business. And was it was it that you actually started Bagsy while you was at university? Was that kind of part of your course? Um, it was it was actually part of one of the modules we did actually I think genuinely um, our, our management school is, is quite is quite good in that respect it does give you some um, like opportunities to be a bit more practical not all the time but this is one of the practical modules where you could um, basically simulate the whole kind of planning of, of a startup um, Zach and I were doing that on something similar to Bagsy and, decided, and, and you know spoke to each other and said hey this could actually work um, and, and have kind of carried it on um, carried it on since it, it's, it's a funny one with them um, with management entrepreneurship, because that's probably the question we get asked most. Like, can you even teach entrepreneurship? Yeah, like, exactly. what, do they even, what do they even say? Um, to be fair, the whole course was not about like you know teaching you to be an entrepreneur. Um, I think I, I mean Zach can probably say in more detail, but he probably gets that more in what he's doing at the New Entrepreneurs Foundation. I think ours is a bit more of a study of you know the role of entrepreneurship's kind of bigger picture, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, genuinely, I found it to be an awesome kind of networking introduction. You know, everyone else, if you speak to sometimes who does, you know, business studies or management, I'm not knocking at all, but, you know, people have met a lot of people who have done that, whereas management and entrepreneurship at least gets um, the eyebrows raised for, for good or bad. Um, and, and you're going to get that, um, you get that in, if you like, when you're, when you're speaking to someone. So what would you say is the difference between business studies and studying entrepreneurship? That. Entrepreneurship is in the title. <laughs> what, what, what did you used to say, Ali? Used to, the, the management adds the credibility to our degree. Is, is kind of what we always used to say. Um, so when we were asked to, uh, like, like you just asked us now, it's like, well, what exactly is it? It was It's just so difficult to kind of put down. Mm-hmm. Um, and as always kind of pointed out, the most, probably the most valuable thing there was the other people on on the course. Um and even now, as I just said, the New Entrepreneurs Foundation is a similar thing, and we're repeating a lot of the a lot of the same stuff. So it's very interesting. It's a lot of lean start models, uh, a kind of cycle of innovation, stuff like that. Um, but again, it, it, every environment I've been in where where you're trying to learn entrepreneurship, it's actually the the other people there, which are kind of are the real sources of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, every person there is usually of a, of a similar mindset. They're usually quite uh, independent. They have a lot of their own ideas, and they're usually the people who will try stuff out. So it's kind of a lot of first-hand experience that you get to share. Right. Um, and that's where I've tend to found most of the actual value is. And was Bagsy something that you guys kind of jumped on first of all, or were you kind of trying out new other things beforehand? <laughs> uh, I think it's fair to say that um, some, some people I think have called Zach and I serial entrepreneurs. I think that gives us, I don't even know what that means, but it's just way off. Because um, at that, 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 that some point, we've, we've probably created something really successful. I think we've had a lot of, Great failure stories is probably mm-hmm. the best way to say it. Um, yeah, so Bagsy was not the first thing or the first time that we um, we decided, hey, let's let's try something out. But it's it's survived this far. What, um, was, the, what was the worst <laughs> thing you decided to create? <laughs> or, or you thought was going to be a great success? I bet you was like at your uni thinking, this is the one, guys. This is the See, one. Seeing the pound signs in your eyes. <laughs> I don't know about great success, but uh, me and uh, a friend of mine who's actually working on Chasing Ed with us called Kitson, uh, when it was the second year of uni, this sounds ridiculous, so you can you can laugh. 
Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, uh, he came from Newcastle and there he just told me one night we were, we were uh, I think we'd been to Sugar House, which, uh, which was Lancaster University's uh, big club, let's be honest, it was Lancaster's only club. Um, and he always used to say that in Newcastle, the, the local church groups, they used to give out uh, like disposable slippers for, for girls after nights out. You know, to uh, save their boyfriends from having the shoes stolen or piggybacking the girlfriend's home. And it's like, oh, they used to love this. So thought, oh, well, that, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Uh, well, let's check it out. So we, we did, looked into this a little bit and ended up chatting to the, the clubs there. And they were like, actually, yeah, it sounds great. And we've been thinking of doing it ourselves. We thought, yeah, why not? Let's, let's see if we can sell disposable slippers through a nightclub and uh, see how that goes. Uh, how that actually played out was it was a spare room in my house full of about two two thousand pairs of slippers, which was fairly ridiculous. And my housemates still mock me for to this day. Um, <laughs> but we we sold we sold uh, a few. We only sold a few hundred pairs from the nightclub, but we didn't have to really do anything. So we pretty much broke even. It was a massive learning curve in terms of marketing. Um, <laughs> and still to this day, I said my friend, my friend bought me for this. So you know, <laughs> failures. It does sound like a sound business idea. Yeah, it though. sounds potential. And plus, even if you've got some left, you can like stand outside the, uh, the outside the uh, club on a night out, and maybe you might even pull. <laughs> like, oh, your, oh, your, your, your feet look, your feet look pretty sore. Wow. Here's some slippers yeah, exactly. that I have two thousand left of. <laughs> you know, you know what? I'll tell you, it's, it's an interesting situation to be in when you're going to leave, when you're leaving your second year uni to go do a placement down in London, and you have got about two thousand pairs of slippers to do something with. <laughs> and you've got about a week to get out of the house. <laughs> you, you say that, though, but I know there's an actual business that actually used that as their idea, didn't they? Because they kind of made it so that um, girls could put these fold-up slippers into their handbags. I know it's like a massive business, like multi-million pound business. It is, it is, um, which, which we, we hope to probably naively replicate and didn't have the, the kind of knowledge or skills to pull that off. Um, but like I said... It was it was just a big learning curve in terms of sales and marketing for us. It was, it was kind of getting out there, so talking to people, just selling to them directly. Mm-hmm. Um, drunk people are hilarious, anyway. Especially <laughs> when you have the sober guy. Being the sober guy in the club is always fun. So when you try and sell stuff as well, it's it's great. So what was sort of like the big learnings you took away from that then? Um, firstly, you need to know your um, market well. You need to know your routes to market, how to advertise best to them, um, and. Getting the getting people on board. Uh, so the the club for us, without them, we wouldn't have got anywhere. We managed to negotiate so that we didn't have to pay them anything for being there, um, which was just great. Um, and it, so it was just kind of getting out there, meeting people, sending the email, making a call, um, just just to get introduced to anyone and everyone, and you never know who's gonna who's gonna turn something around for you. I think it was um, friend of a friend who actually put us in touch initially, and. Said, got us in there. But we ended up negotiating to get in there for free, and may not have made a lot of money, but we didn't lose any money and learnt a lot in the process. So it served as well going forward with Bagsy, then getting the right partners for, for mm. what we're doing now. So, mm. and what about you then, Ollie? What's your biggest uh, biggest <laughs> failure? What's your biggest failure? Um, I don't know. About, I don't know about failure. I guess my equivalent is for, for when Zach has. Um, all his slippers. I, when I was a bit younger, had head and shoulder shampoo. Um, and by the way, you know, all other shampoos are available. Um, <laughs> no, no preference. Um, but I did, I did, I did this, uh, this thing. It was, I think it's still going actually called, um, called Swap It. It's a Swap It shop. 
which is you can tell where this is going with that kind of name, right? And um, <laughs> it was it was kind of marketed as you know eBay for under 18s. You didn't tra- you traded a lot of things, but you didn't trade um, in money. You traded in swap it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I at some point must have just worked out that you know you could um, sell like a ten pound note, for example, on uh, onto swap it for like I don't know it was about um, like twenty thousand swap it or something like that. But then with those 20,000 stoppets, I could buy something which is worth 20 quid and then sell it. So I could just continuously make 100%. And uh, it was working quite well for me. I didn't really realize what I was doing. But looking back, I was like, that was good. Um, uh, Basically, I don't know how, but stoppets then suddenly had this massive um, sale of heads and shoulders. I think they just must have fooled me completely. And I just was like, that's a great idea. And just bought them in massive bulks. I think I must have had just, you know, like near a thousand of these bottles of heads and shoulders but no dandruff and, just, and no dan definitely no dandruff um, <laughs> not even joe hart involved. and um and it just took years and years i think only about a couple of years ago do we actually finally get rid or or use um all the remaining heads and shoulders in the house so um you know that was probably not as many wider business lessons with that that was probably the first uh proper time i realized the the consequences of, of a bad business idea um, <laughs> when, when you're surrounded by heads and shoulders in your house so oh, man, uh, just don't overstock <laughs> before yeah, you have your customers <laughs> well it's very easy now i think when um i mean it's a popular thing now as that mentioned it before and i know you guys mentioned it in, in other podcasts about the lean startup and everyone kind of preaches it now about that which is basically the concept <laughs> of you know like start small and just kind of do it rapidly mm-hmm. um at the time, when I wasn't really aware of much theory like that anyway, and I wouldn't have been aware of that concept. So you kind of, as soon as you think you've got this great idea, like the first thing you'll do is like, oh, amazing, I'm going to buy like thousands of those, um, which I love it. And like, you know, if people do that, you know, whilst it's probably not the most sensible decision, I still kind of love that they do that because it's just, it's ambitious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, that you, you can, for whatever um, ridiculous reason, you are so confident you can sell them all out and, you know, eventually, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, take over the whole market, whatever you're in. So uh, that was probably the first time I learned about that idea that you need to start small um, and not buy too much shampoo. Yeah, it's funny because I have a lot of friends who are like, yeah, I'm going to start a T-shirt company. And the first thing they're looking at is like bulk boy and like T-shirts, yeah. Alibaba for like 5,000 T-shirts. They're only 10p each. I'm like, yeah, but you've got to sell 5,000. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's a lot easier yeah. just to do a design on like Photoshop and then just see if people will buy it first. Then you know how much stock you need to purchase. But it's, yeah. <laughs> it's funny they do it that way. <laughs> So um, obviously, once you got to um, Bagsy, how many ideas later? Like, how did you guys know this was something that you wanted to actually pursue? Um, I, I would say one of the, the, the bigger things for us is, I mean, Zach talked about uh, market research. I think that is so, so crucial. But I think one of the also things I would say you need to have when you're setting up your own venture or your own business is that you need to have some sort of personal experience or, you know, you know at least witness the kind of pain problem that you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, a, selfishly, right? I mean, if you want to be working on something, dedicating a huge amount of your time, resources, it's really important to be quite passionate about what you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was, uh, that's one thing that's really important. Um, Zach and I are both from kind of different places around the world um, had the same issue. Um, and, was that, like, and Zach kind of came up with it when you were on uh, a summer camp, weren't you, Zach? Yeah. Um, so it, I think the, the, the kind of I think the funniest moment was um, so we were working on this. Uh, I had this idea when we was I was travelling. I said at Camp America, funnily enough, which are now one of our partners, which was an amazing inn. Um, but it was it was that they said oh they said the pain point. Um, I'm a very kind of last minute type of guy with a lot of things, 
And so I'm, 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 I'm the fool running up and down the high street the day before I fly, thinking, oh, damn, I've, I've not bought anything. Uh, and that's <laughs> um, you, said, you guys sound like you can relate. So, um, no. <laughs> well, I'm not actually a big traveller, but I'm definitely a last-minute kind of guy. <laughs> well, precisely. So you, you, I'm sure you can appreciate what we're trying to do. Um, so it was kind of from that that we thought, okay, um, it, the, the idea of the whole thing and basically it's convenience. And uh, as Ollie said, um, we kind of, at the, t- at the time when we got back to university, we were looking at other ideas which were more, more tech based, you know, the kind of big change the world type of things that everyone wants to build. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did this as, as, a, as a part of a project. We just kind of used it as an idea because we didn't have anything better. Uh, and there was a moment where this, this, this project was judged by um, actual businessmen, like industry, uh, who, who run their own businesses in various industries and then kind of completely break it down and quiz you on it. And there is uh, there's a moment right at the end where there's kind of a panel judging you, um, like X Factor style, just like good fun. Um, not Dragons Den, X Factor. Yeah, no, 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 Dragons Den. It felt more like X Factor. It felt like the yeah, the, you had the to sing your pitch. Yeah, um, and just one of them right at the end when kind of they do the Q and A. I think we were expecting to be absolutely grilled on this. Uh, I think they only asked about two questions, and then we just got kind of given the statement. This looks good. So are you guys going to do this? Was it? Enough. It's kind of the, at least for me, and maybe the same for Ollie. But it was kind of like it was a moment. Of, actually, this does really make sense, and mm-hmm. this could be very viable rather than these great big tech ideas, which I think everyone's free uh, is, is very much in the limelight at the moment, and kind of everyone does want to build the Facebook and the Slack and things like that. Um, but they're they're moonshots in general. Uh, whereas this suddenly became very could become very realistic and very viable very quickly. Yeah, it's just kind of that moment where that sank in. Yeah, I think me and Wayne had the same thing for the podcast. I mean, like last year we got sponsorship and we were literally just talking about this five minutes ago. And I think a lot of the time you just need somebody else externally to kind of validate and say, oh, actually, this could be a business. And I think it's so important to get that from however means, whether that's putting yourself into like competitions or just having somebody who invests or somebody who buys that first bag or something like that. I think that's so important. And I think... Um you know, when it comes, that's one of the best things I think of, this, of the the program that, that Zach's on, for example, right now. Um, in terms of New Entrepreneurs Foundation, they give him you know a coach and a mentor. Um, um, in terms of and just utilizing your network, right? In terms of helping get that validation, I think um, for us we're in a good position with Bagsy in that we can get validation from genuine uh, potential customers because we're we're still kind of part, part of that target market anyway mm-hmm. um, that we're in. But also, you know, a lot of the networks we've got are. Uh, for people who are entrepreneurial, you know, setting up their own ventures, their own podcasts, um, or, or other things. And you can get that support and get that bit of advice, mm. which is also that kind of validation from the other side, which I think is so key to have. So obviously, um, you had the idea and you thought, okay, this is a pain that we have, and it's a need that we need to solve for other people. Like, where did you start from there? Was you kind of looking out for suppliers? Or was you kind of think, okay, now here, here's the hard work? <laughs> <laughs> because um, i know you've not got just one product it's not like you're making the bag i see you've got like 30 different products that you've got a source from so many different suppliers we only put in essential travel items in there as well you know that's worth saying so you know um but in terms of um in terms of our, our starting point we we're in a good position in that um what we you know we mentioned that module before there's a lot of things we still need to change but what we were a bit more confident and we've done a lot of focus groups through that and we did a few more after and um, it, what we'd validated was the concept of having, of, of what were the essentials that people assumed they would want to take or really wish they, really wish they actually had um, mm-hmm. post-travelling. So we knew that as a concept and, and the concept of people 
kind of buying it pre-packed was one that um, would solve a lot of the you know the the pains that we've been been finding out. Um, so the next thing for us was actually trying to you know build not I, we didn't really build a business plan um, per se. I think they can go out of date very quickly, mm-hmm. um, but actually just building a much more you know comprehensive action plan if you like about what's it going to take how much is actually going to cost just to put together a um you know a sample of this for example can we actually show people what it's going to be like because even though we can sell it you know we think we can sell it and market it quite well actually no one's going to buy anything or do anything with us unless they actually see the product you know right in front of them so um that was a really big point for us and we tried to be a bit more lean in that in that sense right it's a lot harder to be lean i think i found anyway when it's a physical product especially for us I mean, the whole point of our one of the one of the points of our kind of business and as products is that we're trying to save you time and money. But actually, we're not saving ourselves time and money when we're having to do it to put together samples. Um, so um, that's taken quite a lot of time in terms of put, bringing that all together, um, and that's probably been the biggest first step. And I think the next one after that was was exactly as you as you said as well about the validation, mm-hmm. um, about trying to get people on board. I think that's one of the lessons that I've learned through kind of at the start that we worked on before and Zach said he you know we learned from from the slipper business about kind of marketing <laughs> and um and to try and help kind of piggyback basically on uh, on people who can support us and that was one of the reasons why we've had tr- quite a um quite a partner driven strategy is that mm-hmm. saying hey look you know there's there's already companies out there already who are doing amazing things with the people that we're trying to to support too mm-hmm. you know surely there's a lot of a kind of mutual crossover uh, for us to work with them and, they, and then for um, to work with us. And that's been a great way as well of of us really kind of broadening our reach um, as a business too. Mm-hmm. I bet as a, as a business, just, just your model, uh, I mean, it has to be very partner-driven really. I mean, you say mm-hmm. on your website, what is it, 250 quid's worth of stuff for 150 quid? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, so you've obviously got to be getting some pretty good deals from the suppliers and the manufacturers of all the stuff that you're putting in. Um, and kind of making sure that they're completely on board with what you're doing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, I think I'm surprised Zach hasn't jumped in there. But he always <laughs> um, about you know business is the classic um, layer cake quote, um, and which which by the way it should be our first recommendation. Oh yeah, if you haven't watched Layer Cake, you need to watch Layer Cake. Okay, <laughs> I've watched it. <laughs> I have. It's a great film. Um, you know, the art of good business um, is being a good middleman or something like that I think mm-hmm. that. that that is going to be going on the wall in our office yeah. when, <laughs> when, when we get a proper office I, I love that quote and uh, yeah sorry I will, I will jump in now don't worry um, <laughs> so um, yeah to be honest it completely isn't it was, it was that moment I mean kind of pick up on what um, you kind of said before about the next steps as well like when we it was kind of going from we said we did that module. We we had a lot, in essence, a lot of great research because it was it was the rest of it, the business side of it was unfortunately very academic. Um, and it was the next steps, and like the next steps of that, I said it had to be pretty much partner driven because it gives us a quite a close target market. Mm-hmm. It minimised the risk on our end. Uh, so it kind of let us go more of the lean model. Sort of, although we have had to invest in, as Holly said, samples and etc. It massively reduced our risk in terms of marketing costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so just getting in front, actually getting in front of our customer, we managed to piggyback, as I always said, uh, and go to a lot of a lot of their face-to-face uh, touch points with their with their customers. Um, and all of that, that that's been a fairly long process of get, getting those partnerships. Um, started off just, I think, what we, we were meant to be revising for our exams. I think, and it was uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, 
I love LinkedIn, and it was a bit of a cheeky, just one day I was typing, okay, I've been to camp, these people are exactly who we want, but let's, uh, let's do the LinkedIn rounds and find someone to speak to each of these organizations um, and literally just reach out. Um, and we, we actually, we, we, we earned pretty high. Uh, I think we went for the, the CEOs and founders of these companies, not really expecting much, but um, the three we targeted, I think it was within two days or three of them got back to us. Mm-hmm. So they think it's, it's, a good, it's, it's a good movement point. Um, I said from there that, that I think it was it was about three months before we officially got Camp America signed on, um, and the uh, two others have uh, camp leaders and Trek America have just come on in the last month. Yeah, we can uh, announce that by the time by the time this podcast goes out, it'll be all over our website. There we go. <laughs> Amazing, Pod, uh, powerful nonsense exclusive. Woohoo! We like exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to uh, say because I think. Um, LinkedIn is so, I was saying this actually again to Wayne this morning about like getting podcast guests on. I think LinkedIn is totally like underutilized by people. I was just wanting to kind of ask like, what was your sort of procedure to find the right people? And also like, what were you putting in those emails where they kind of totally naive in a way, just put something out of there, see if you can get a contact. There's, I, there's, yeah, there's, I mean, this is one, it's one of our biggest lessons, right? As well that, you know, a lot of people don't get to um, build their business or even start it just because of a lot of assumptions they'll make that the person they're going to try and reach out to just won't respond. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, reach out because there's so many people who stop at that assumption, uh, and actually the people you're probably competing with is a lot few, like you know, fewer number, mm-hmm. uh, far fewer number. But for us, in terms of how we did that, it was a combination of LinkedIn. You're right, and we also had a um, a website that um, our guy called uh, Raf, who you should definitely speak to on to. Powerful Nonsense, he runs a, a business called Student View. Um, he told us about this website called uh, www.ceoemails.com, um, which you must think that is that is a ridiculous thing. Um, and there's probably a lot of uh, people who listen to it and think this is really bad. But um, this uh, website's got all the kind of uh, big businesses and a lot of the contact details for the CEOs of those companies. Um, and I think you can get those contact details for the first 10 I think a free, and then after that you might have to pay a quid, which is, I mean, we didn't, but uh, perfectly reasonable <laughs> if you get a response. And we, you know, we sent that around. We got one from uh, uh, Booking.com CEO in a couple of days, um, you know, and, and actually quite supportive and we're, we're carrying on talking to him. So um, you just, I think what's one of the biggest lessons for us is just just reach out, you know, um, in, you lose absolutely nothing if they don't respond to you. Um, but in terms, of how, in terms of how we did it, I wouldn't say there's a golden rule. Um, there are things you can probably do which give you a better chance of getting um, a reply, mm-hmm. but there's no like there's no definitive do this and it will succeed kind of formula. And um, we played around a lot with um, you know the kind of the the subject. Um, mm-hmm. And there's some you know uh, Raf will mention he did a lot of kind of cheesy puns. For example, I think he even tried to reach out to Nando's and and even put you know use the words cheeky Nando's in the subject. <laughs> um, but then, we'd, you know, we tried along with that as well, and, and that worked sometimes. It didn't work others. I read a great article on, uh, on Medium somewhere that said, you know, the biggest open rate for the, the LinkedIn emails, though, are just messages that start with the subject line is, hey. Mm-hmm. Because if someone messages you, hey, you, you are more than likely just going to try, you're just going to open it and see what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's all you've got to do, really, just get them to the point where they open up the message. So, um you definitely have to play around. I think you know, do a lot of um, research in terms of do you have any people in your network who already who might be in the company or that they might already know. Um, if you any sort of referral you can get or recommendation or anything like that to the person you want to speak to, mm-hmm. oh, that, that's that makes the world a difference. Um, and they're just almost 
you know, 80-90% of the time you'll probably get a reply. Even if they say they're not interested, you'll get a reply. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's been very original, isn't it? Um, yeah. like, like I was just kind of just been hitting that the entire time. Each pair, each one we sent was was very much tailored to who it was going to. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, so for instance, the Camp America one, obviously, I'd, I'd been to Camp America, so I massively played on that fact, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which which made that one very easy. Um, others, I said the Booking.com as all always said, which we got the hit back from, which was amazing. Um, was very much tailored to their their latest ad campaign. Um, I got it booking right, which was absolutely phenomenal marketing campaign. Um, <laughs> but it, like I said, they, they obviously they, they they then immediately responded to that, um, and it was it was great. And I mean, through LinkedIn, we could target specifically someone high enough up or the person mm-hmm. we thought was most relevant, um, or through the CEO emails. I mean, I mean, as as you said, Jim. I mean, I'm personally a massive fan of LinkedIn. It is probably the main form of social media I use. You're, you're um, not very is. big on Twitter, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always gonna love every. Always gonna love this. I am terrible on social media. Other I, I was than doing LinkedIn, some research on you. I used to recruiter, doing, so yeah, I was trying to do some research on you. I'm like four tweets. I wonder what I can get from this. And all, all <laughs> should have jumped on LinkedIn. Push him onto Twitter to say retweet. Yeah, check out check out LinkedIn, Jem man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually exist there. <laughs> Sorry, what was you saying? I was going to tell Ollie's the Ollie's the sort of the social marketing guy. <laughs> I, I, I think I was always going to be, but when you work in a startup, is that you? You almost have to be, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you have no help. We've worked around naturally around our different strengths, strengths and stuff. Yeah, this is a good point as well because obviously me and Wayne started our podcast together. How important is it to kind of have somebody beside you who maybe, like you say, Zach might have um, better skills in say reaching someone on LinkedIn, or maybe you have better at kind of doing the sort of social media stuff how important has it been to have each other on this project yeah tell me, Zach, tell me why it's so important to have me in the in the back of the team <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 I don't, I don't think anyone outside of my immediate circle would have heard about Maxi if, if he weren't on this team Ollie. I'm not going to lie <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say in terms of um, in terms of why it's been great to have Zach I mean one of the things as well is um, you know, Zach and I, whilst we, yeah, we were course mates, you know, we weren't at any point for the first few years we knew each other working on the same things, mm-hmm. but we always knew at some point that we wanted to work on something together. And I think that was quite good. And it's always, it's always good to know, like, not, not in, a, in, a, in a mercenary way at all, but, you know, if you're going to hackathons or if you're doing lots of events, you know, always keeping an eye out about people that you want to work with or who are impressive and you, you want to learn from. Uh, and Zach was always one of those people in what he was doing. Um, you know, Zach said he's, he's done a year in recruitment. I think it's probably fair to say that if we ever good cop, bad cop situations. Uh, Zach is more than likely to be the bad cop, but he does get stuff done. Um, and, and that's better, you know, he's much better that. than I am. So, um, but then at the same time, you know, we, we flex off in terms of what the different uh, strengths and skills that we have are. We interrupt this broadcast of Powerful Nonsense to talk about our sponsors for the show. First of all, we've got to thank the University of Northampton, who've been sponsoring us for quite a while. Uh, thank you to them for our support. Um, if you are looking to go to university and you're thinking about setting up your own side gig as well, your own business, then I'd say Northampton's probably the place to go. Uh, they specialise in social entrepreneurship as well, so it's all about business with a social impact as well and good conscience. So check them out, northampton.ac.uk. So also, we've teamed up with Fiverr. Now, if you don't know what Fiverr is, it's like a creative marketplace where you can kind of like pay people a small sum of money just to maybe write a blog post on your behalf, design a blog header, design an Instagram image or whatever. Infographics, all that sort of stuff. 
even jingles for your podcast if you're deciding you want to compete with us. <laughs> Prices literally start at a fiver. That's why it's called fiver. And five dollars. So if you're in the UK, that's what, like three quid? Mm-hmm. Which is pretty good. Sometimes they'll up it, but as a starting point, think five pounds. Head over to fiverr.com. That's fiverr with two R's on the end. F-I-V-E-R-R.com. And when you get to your... Checkout. Checkout. That's the word I was after. You enter in the little coupon code PN Podcast, and we'll give you 20% off. How Decent. good are we? Decent. See, you tune in, we give you 20% off Fiverr. So with that out of the way, let's go back to the show. I think it's good um, when you have got that other person that's really, really good at kicking the other one up the arse when it's needed, and vice versa. Because yeah. I think we all have those moments where we kind of go, not today. <laughs> and I think I think if much. you're working on your own, it's so much easier to go, okay, well, then not today. But then it's so beneficial to have that other person going, no, today. <laughs> I think it's someone who'll call you on stuff. Um, so it's, um, this is one of the great things about working volley is it, we've got that. I said we, we were on the course together. So we, we kind of knew each other a bit beforehand, but then before we worked together properly, um, when we became friends more after we started working together, or we became good friends after we started working together. Um, but it's it's kind of being able to separate the. It's like someone will call you on something if you do something wrong or if you're not doing something. Mm-hmm. It's someone say, okay, this this like you messed this up or this didn't go right. Or, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. And it's managing to make the distinction between, uh, or I personally think it's making the distinction between you made a bad choice in that situation mm-hmm. rather than I think a lot of people very quickly uh, unfortunately can become very personal and say yeah. you, you're a bad person you did something wrong mm-hmm. right, rather than saying okay you just made a bad decision mm-hmm. and it's kind of having the strength of character to call someone on a bad decision and to be able to take that mm-hmm. someone actually says to you because you, usually let's be honest I think most people know um, and that's where if you're not careful it can become very I think a lot of it as well comes to the trust a lot of it comes to trust as well. I think that's one of the, to be honest, it's one of the biggest lessons I've I've learned in the kind of um, startup world. You know, you know, for the last for the last few years, like even one of the first times I kind of experienced it was when I was in Young Enterprise, for example, which was it feels like you know another lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. But in that case, I didn't really probably have a lot of active trust in the team, or yeah. not more than you know a few guys, and and then you just don't delegate, and then you just kind of work yourself into a bit of a hole. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And but then you know, startup I was working on called Stride, which was which is, you know, a tech company. Um, we had a lot of great momentum for a few months. But I think one of my issues was that I didn't always feel that there was trust. Um, and that was not was just probably as much my fault as it was the rest of the team, um, genuinely. But, it's, you know, it's about how you manage that and, and how you kind of set expectations and how you communicate it all the time too. Um, and that's probably been one of my biggest lessons one of the, and the reasons I'm probably most thankful to be working with someone like that because it's a lot, and we know where we stand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we get on really well. So, um, and I think that's an important combination to have and feel like you can mm. trust them and you can trust them to hold you to account that you can't get away with things. Yeah. yeah me and uh, Wayne find ourselves having a lot more like <laughs> conversations yeah. like that where we know we're going out of alignment with each other and then we have to kind of reconnect. And then as soon as we reconnect, then suddenly we start doing loads more work. So I think it's, it is a really valuable skill to kind of, mm. like you say, set those expectations and both be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all about communication as well and just making sure that you are communicating efficiently. And I think um, any breakdown in any organization or even any relationship for that matter, I think is usually down to just bad communication. Um, one of the, one of the, um, the great, great books I've read um, oh, in 2015 now, last year, um, was this book called Creativity Inc., 
um, mm-hmm. by uh, Ed Catmull. He's the, he's the uh, one of the founding team in Pixar. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. And, um, I just found it phenomenal. So that is kind of a bit of a bigger look at it, but it's the same same thing. So he, it's all about the lessons of how to build, you know, a creative organization, but more importantly, how to um, how to keep it creative when it really starts growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it like the stuff that they do is just phenomenal. And if if you if you are inter- interested in those kind of books, then it's it's a must read anyway. But if you love Pixar films like I do as well, then you know <laughs> it makes it makes those films even better. But they have uh, things like brain trusts where they get you know there might be a whole team of people, um, you know, sixty or hundred or more working on this film, and then they'll get the you know, lead guy, the producer, in in front of everyone else in Pixar, and like you know, the whole leadership team, but also everyone else, and they just really honestly and constructively just pick it apart, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many organisations and industries you could imagine that just backfiring or causing loads of um, loads of difficulties, but they manage mm-hmm. to do it in a way where you know the, the people that leave there are feeling feel, they leave there feeling really invigorated, and it kind of takes the whole project on like you know extra few levels and it comes again back to that kind of trust in the people you're working with and actually communicating it in a, in a way that that you know makes a lot of sense to everybody mm-hmm. i presume you guys probably heard of um and i'm probably going to get this name wrong but i'm going to go with edward de bono's thinking hats six thinking hats no oh no. this is you've got the book haven't you Jim? Yeah, yeah i've just finished reading it it's really good concept and it's it's i think it's kind of a similar thing but basically um, it's this idea that there are six different hats which represent different types of thinking. And basically what you can do either yourself or as a as a group is you can change the thinking hat. So there might be the one of like, this is the most amazing idea ever. This is going to change the world. But then conversely, there's another hat, which I think is the black hat, which is this is the worst idea ever. Yeah. How is this even going to work? And just and just changing the, your perspective on how you think of things. And I think that's a really good skill to have. And it sounds like almost that's what they're doing with the, the brain trust, but with mm. a massive group of people. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I'll check that out. In, yeah. yeah, interesting. Um, what, what, what is it that always uh, me and I always laugh? Is the fact is that Ollie, especially when we come up with names, Ollie's great at coming up with names. Um, and it, like, for example, they came up with Bagsy, which obviously is is great. Put on the nicest catchphrase of Bagsy that is in its mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, we pack the bag, you see the wealth. And but he, we were reeling through a lot of names, and um, like every now and again, I'll come up with a great one, but he'll throw it at me and. I can be, I can. It usually takes me a bit longer to come around to something. <laughs> Even if I, if, if I don't immediately shoot it down, it means that it means it, it's probably quite good. <laughs> but, but you know, and uh, I've probably caused you great frustration. Oh, it, 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 well, it took me quite. Uh, you know, there was a there was a pay period. You know, for a while where I had to learn that fact that, that because it wasn't you know an instant yes, which it usually is. A lot of other people I'd pitch names to or, or brands to that it wasn't actually a no at the same time, which is a, another good lesson, especially in the startup world anyway, that mm-hmm. no doesn't always mean a final no. Uh, me, yeah. me and Wayne were doing that this morning. I'm like, I think we need a new slogan for the podcast. He's like, no. And I'm like, but I've got a good one. I start telling him, he's like, no, I don't get it. And he's, he's kind of... You see, what people don't realise with me is I naturally, I default into devil's advocate. And I think yeah, people I don't realise. the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Literally about to say the same thing, Wayne. It's like, it's that, if someone's going to argue the point, then if you can be shot down immediately, then there's probably not enough, like, there's no water there. It's yeah, not holding exactly. water. Exactly. I wish more people understood. I, Zach, I feel like me and you, uh, two peas in a pod, mate. Ollie, me and you can be the creative ones. I, I was, have no ideas. I was going to say, yeah, I feel like yeah. <laughs> it's happened without even saying anything. You know, uh, been moved to a side. 
on the other hand, guys, like so. But how? But when you when you when you throw out an idea or a name, it's not immediately shot down. Yeah. And, you know, you, you must think, okay, then if I can get it past them, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, I think that's what's so about. important. I think it's so necessary to have those differences, and that's why collaboration is so key for everybody. It's kind of even with me and Wayne, we know the bits we don't enjoy. And there's someone that person doesn't exist currently. The person who loves writing blogs every day, or the person who wants to, I don't know, go off and do other things that we both don't feel inspired to do so i think that's why yeah you have to kind of find these ways to collaborate know what your skill sets are and how you can kind of get the other people to fill those sort of gaps mm. just want to get back onto um bagsy so obviously you created your first version um yep. how how soon was it before how much money did you actually have to put into that initially and then also um how quick was it before you kind of got that first sale or that first person to send you over some cash oh the be- that beautiful moment um in terms of the, the speed of it we had um not too long to be honest not too long so it was only really in june july that we properly really were working on this you know to, to what you could probably call full time so um you know it, it probably wasn't until sep- september end of september i think that we actually had um well in august we had a partner sorted um we got the product whole product kind of offering at least the first one sorted in august so only about only about five six weeks before that was done so that was quite quick then we had a lot of other uh things to sort out over over august and september which kind of put us a bit a bit behind um but october i would say was probably when we launched out so it it really didn't take that long two three months because i think we were quite keen to to get going quickly Mm -hmm. um in terms of money invested um you know I think we'd like to give a big shout out to student um, student loans company for for helping <laughs> helping us. <laughs> careful there, Ollie. Careful there. Hopefully, we'll end up end up paying you back at some point. For the <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they do say it's the cheapest form of like uh, money you can get, isn't it? So <laughs> it really is. Um, in terms of money we've invested, I think you know we've not been keeping a, a precise count of money. Zach and I have invested probably because it would make us cry a little bit. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely been. Yeah, I'd definitely say combined. It's a, it's a few thousand pounds. I would say. Um, I'd stack weighed if you think that's wrong. Um, yeah, no, mate. That I think that's that's about right. He ju- um, just opened up his wallet and then the butterflies flew out and he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in terms of that, I mean, so that even then though, that's still quite. It was quite a lot of that, but that's it's what it's cost to get um, all the samples done. Quite a lot of testing done um, to. To get all the all the you know the, the website marketing materials done. The website um, looks great, by the way. It's really thank simple. you, thank you. It's, it's taken it's taken a while, but we're we're getting there with it. And um, and it, one of the things we learned with the site, without digressing too much, is you know, um, so much you know, in the same way you know setting up an idea, we kind of rushed to the fact to get this website looking great, and then we realised the website can look great, but if we've not got the right call to actions, there's there's lots of different uh, types on that. But coming back to when we got the first sale, we got the first sale in November. Um, which was a great day, and I was, think it was, was that an individual this. customer, or was that like yeah, oh. yeah, individual customer, individual customer. So I mean, that's the way we're we're doing it at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. It might change later on this year, depending on on who we're working with. But largely, we work on a kind of affiliate partnership or, or commission basis with our partners. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, they don't bulk order from us, which makes a lot of sense from both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is it is a win win. Um, so the first individual order, and what was nice this order as well, it wasn't like. Um, we'd bribed any uh, friends or family or friends of friends. Mm-hmm. This was genuinely, they come through the exact kind of marketing that we'd laid out 
who didn't know us personally and they come through and done it and that was a real nice kind of vindication mm-hmm. that, uh, that you know we must be doing something whatever it is right which was which is amazing um and we're looking to um to grow it there for us this january is massive for us um we've got um uh five i think it is yeah five, five. recruitment fairs mm-hmm. um, and events where you know thousands of this, of young people mostly students um come to these fairs where they get placed directly interviewed directly on these summer camps mm-hmm. in america mm-hmm. so um and we're there and we're doing like a tour of the uk basically uh we're going to like liverpool london edinburgh then uh, manchester then back down to london mm-hmm. uh which is going to be going to be fun but that's it's going to be amazing for us where we're in front of you know it must be at least ten thousand, maybe more of our people are our exact um kind of of market which would be amazing but that's meant quite a bit of an expenditure um and so we, we're getting a, a virgin startup loan mm-hmm. um for us as well i mean it's another issue of, of of how you want to finance your business we've bootstrapped it and i think anyone um whatever business you want to go into you have to bootstrap to a point because yeah. it's just no one no one's going to invest in you if you, you don't invest in yourself cliche as it is it's true mm-hmm. um and so we've done that, and I think we're quite keen at this stage anyway to, to keep the equity as we are um, and actually go for a, a loan uh, for Virgin, which makes a lot more sense for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll, that'll help us kind of get up to a point where we can be hopefully quite self-sustaining by about mm-hmm. March, April, I would say. I think bootstrapping as well um, <clears throat> really helps to really make you understand just how much you can get out of your money. Um, I think if you get investment too early on um, and you've got loads of cash to play around with, I almost feel like you you just end up wasting a lot of it on stuff that you don't necessarily need to buy. 100%. I have 100% on that one because, um, you know, we value now, like, you know, the, the hundreds of pounds that we've got in customer sales so far. Mm-hmm. You know, we value that. <laughs> yeah. We really value that. That's hard earned. Um, and, and you see sometimes why well, there's some amazing accelerator um, for example, programs out there at the moment now, but they throw a lot of money at you if you're good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 15, 20, in some cases, quite a lot more than that. Um, you know, and immediately without you probably even having met a customer, yeah. you know, validating your company, valuing your company, you know, quarter of a million, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, and I think that can be dangerous. And it's also one of the reasons why there's far fewer grant, you know, startup grants competitions out there now, because I think that people have kind of twigged onto the fact that if you receive a grant for, um, for your money, for your business, mm-hmm. you spend it a lot differently to if you earn that money through a loan or through your customer or if it's your own money. Um, and, and I think that's a really important point. It's, I think if, if you're running a startup, especially if you, I always think it's being a student at university. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you if you ask a student if they got money, if they got money, no. Can you afford food? No. Do you want to go to the pub? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's the kind of the same thing you found with a lot of startup entrepreneurs. Is, is do you have money? No. Do you want to go out and do this? No. But we need fifty quid, hundred quid to, to be there or to do this or to have this. Mm. Miraculously, <laughs> it, it seems to appear. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's crazy, and I think that's just a measure of the resourcefulness that I, th- I think you need. I mean, mm. we're going to be balloping megabussing it up and down down the UK, unfortunately. <laughs> there is some luxury. You've made my day already, Ollie. But um, it's, I think if you're willing like to do that, like I said, if, if, if spend the, the £6 instead of the £30 on a train ticket, um, listen, you, you, can, you can make it go far. And I said, it shows you 
firstly how much you believe in your idea and if you think it's viable because you're not going to be willing to spend seven hours on a megabus um, and then jump in front of thousands of people to sell your product uh, unless you think it's got legs and unless you've got some some credibility and viability behind it yeah um which I suppose you'd like Ollie said if, if someone's just throwing you 50 grand suddenly you probably already they've kind of inflated the sense of of your your sense of the value of your business before you've tested it. Mm-hmm. It could be like a very hard come back down to earth if you're not careful. There's um there's a, a great um book which I know actually some so we've got uh, quite a few friends who were on the latest um Ignite Accelerator cohort in Newcastle. Um and they're they're really great for anyone who's I think especially in tech, but it could be, you know, all sorts of um startups to definitely check out and they're um doing another cohort I think in Manchester in the next few months. And um everyone who got gone gone to the cohort, their first day they were given this book called The Mum Test. Um, not sure if you guys have heard it, but it's just become a bit of a bible for me um, over the last couple of weeks. And it's all about having how to how to have those customer conversations, and starting on the premise that um, all customers will lie to you. Um, <laughs> what was it? Called which again? Is, which Could is you say that again? Is it the man test? The mum test. The mum <laughs> test. The mum uh, test. And uh, I, I pronounce it slightly differently because it's the American mum. The mum. Oh, okay. M O M. And uh, it's really brilliant. Um, because you, it starts to, well, for me, I appreciate books when they're quite practical, quite easy to read. Um, and this one is really that. And it's a, the first kind of 30, 40 pages are, are just gold, especially when you're quite a, I mean, you should be having customer conversations all the time, but, um, especially at the beginning they're, they're you know, they are the, probably the most important thing because if you do them wrong, then you're probably getting the wrong idea or the wrong execution and, and it's going to, it's going to go downhill. So, mm-hmm. um, it's this brilliant kind of step-by-step about, how you can avoid creating, you know, asking the questions which are just going to give you lies back. Right. It's on that whole promise that, you know, I, if you ask, you might come up with any business. If you ask your mum, you know, does she like the idea? Well, of course she loves likes the idea. She loves you. She's your mum. You know, why would you ask that? You're not going to get, you know, a genuine response. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to work, or, work your way around that. And it's a really brilliant book. So I, I totally recommend that one as well. Excellent. Good stuff. So, um, I know there's a question you wanted to ask, Jim. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> me and Wayne <laughs> always talk about this, and it's basically like, obviously, you guys are trying to promote to the to the young people who want to go traveling. And obviously, mm-hmm. I have this belief that a lot of young people go traveling sometimes because they think they're going to go away and be some kind of some mass, massive sort of mission that transforms them, change their lives, mm-hmm. which sometimes it can do, but sometimes I think a lot of people put too much weight on it. What would be your, obviously you guys are travellers, like what would be your kind of approach to somebody going travelling on the basis? Because I think, I don't know if you get that or you speak to people who kind of think like, oh, you know what, I'm not happy how life is here right now. And as soon as I go travelling, I'll be a changed person when I come back. So I don't, obviously you guys have had experience where you've actually had probably mm-hmm. great times and come back and actually generally felt transformed. So what advice would you give to somebody, like a young person who's thinking about going travelling themselves? Okay, uh... I probably think the, the the kind of best bit of advice I'd give someone is, and this will some people will probably love it, some people hate it. I wouldn't plan too much. Um, I think, and that's again, I'm just against um, plan fun in general. I think if you do want that that actual, they said like kind of life changing experience or, or some, or not even life changing, just something that's that's very different. I think when people at home, they're usually very much in routine. And I think part of going traveling is kind of breaking out of that, being somewhere out of your comfort zone, somewhere that's completely foreign to you. And I think that's where if you if you embrace it, that's where you can really meet some amazing people that you'd never walk into anywhere else, um, see things that you won't see anywhere else, and you may never be there again. Um, 
and if you're after that type of experience, uh, that that can probably be the, the key bit of advice I'd give. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I mean, you you know, planned fun. Uh, that's rubbish, right? Um, I would I would I think that's great advice to be honest. Um, in terms of what I would say, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to plan things, but if you can be a bit more aware of you know your purpose about why you're going. Um, you know, some people. I think that's that's the thing, right? Some people just aren't sure about why they're going traveling, and then. And I think sometimes they can they can miss the experience even if they're right there, mm-hmm. um, and it can also influence exactly what is the best kind of traveling experience that they can have because there's, there's so many things you can do traveling right, mm-hmm. um, and and having an idea about why it is that you're going if it genuinely is to understand a new culture, um, you know if it's if it's more external to understand other things around you or actually if it's more about just trying to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's more about trying to, you know, find a bit more about yourself. Mm-hmm. All those three for me, I'd, I'd suggest a different place or thing to do um, traveling for each, each one of those. Yeah. So I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's difficult from a self-awareness perspective to always know exactly why you want to go out and do something. Um, but if you, can be a, if you can have a bit of an inkling about why that is, then that's really going to influence where you should go traveling. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the, the guys who are going to hopefully uh, continue to buy bags, bags are probably going to be going interrailing or be going more than like to go summer camp in america mm-hmm. you know that that one there probably is you know it's not planned fun as uh, as zach alluded to but it's a it's quite a lot more structured at least for the first 10 weeks um because you're out there you are at, at a summer camp somewhere in america mm-hmm. and you're going to be doing quite similar things over that period and then after that, you get the complete opposite. Um, and, and that, I think, from what Zach said, it works quite nicely. You get that balance. Some people would rather just throw themselves into somewhere in Thailand or something like that and just go, what's here? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think you have to be a bit more a bit more clued up if you can about why you want to go out there. Because I, I think you're right. Some people can go out there expecting some travel, you know, some, some life-changing experience, and, and really that's that's not what they're going to get or, or whatever. I think it's all about kind of what you think you're going for i think mm-hmm. good stuff i had a life-changing experience in dublin when we went to dublin i realized that i could actually be drunk do, do four times in one day <laughs> yeah. i was gonna say do you remember it that, that changed my life <laughs> how did that work then did you just you know did you have like three hangovers or like you know how did that how did, well no it was hair the dog constantly. Down the day, like, how did that work well we we went oh. to the guinness factory we drank some guinness and i don't drink beer let alone guinness so after about half a pint of Guinness, I was already a bit drunk. I finished the other half. <laughs> <laughs> then we then we went for something to eat, and I had a cider. So I was mixing my drinks already by this point, which was not a good idea either. You were sobered up on the walk to the so, sobered up on the walk to the the restaurant. Had some cider, then got drunk again. Then we decided we were going out because you're in Dublin, so you got to. So we had some pre drinks, got drunk then, then sobered up after the pre drinks, and then got drunk whilst we were out. <laughs> And was a state in the morning. <laughs> I was I'm actually all right. No, you I, weren't too bad, I think actually. it's because it's that constant drinking. Mm. Which we do not did, advocate on Powerful Nonsense no, all the time. No, drink sensibly. Yeah. And did, did, did you plan all of that? No. <laughs> no, it was actually completely unplanned fun, most Un- of it. Unplanned binging. <laughs> That's the best kind of binging. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we're going to have to start wrapping up soon, which is a shame because this has been ah. great. Uh, but we've got two questions that we ask every guest. Now, we don't often have two people on the show, so... Maybe come one apiece on each. Yeah, so, so Zach, my question to you is, what's the biggest load of nonsense you've ever heard? And, Ollie, yours is, what's the most powerful piece of advice you've ever been given? 
whichever oh, one works I'll, I'll, you see I just listened to one of your uh, other podcasts last night and I was hoping for the other the two questions but never mind um, keeping you on your toes plus you're, <laughs> you're, the, you're, the, you're the black hat wearer you're the pessimist so you can you, you see a lot of nonsense yeah that's it <laughs> no the, 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 this this is, this is probably going to go completely against the pessimism thing. Um, I One of the things that, that makes me laugh, and this could be um, argued either way, is when people always say, um, when, you, when you pitch on an idea, mm-hmm. and they're always saying, be realistic. Um, I think sometimes that's just uh, an intentional put down. I think a lot of the time, especially with entrepreneurs, if you're being, if, if you're actually trying to be realistic and looking at, if you looked at the numbers, for example, of, people who start companies and people who succeed, mm. um, if you're being realistic or if leaving university is a graduate, you're being realistic, you're going to be going on to into some sort of grad job, probably on about twenty three to £25,000 a year. You will work until you are, well, if you're us, until you're about 70 or 80, and you retire onto a pension. That is realistic based on numbers. Mm-hmm. That is probably the most depressing thought <laughs> you could have. <laughs> so I think when people say be realistic, Mm-hmm. I say take it with a pinch of salt and just because they're confined, they're limiting themselves mm-hmm. doesn't mean you should immediately shut down when someone tells you to be realistic. Good That's great. How about you, Ollie? Most powerful piece of advice. And what a question this is. Right. Um, <laughs> okay, so this might not be the most powerful, but, you know, it's in my head, so um, it's doing some good. <laughs> um, it's this is more quite a recent one actually. It was advice. It's, it's actually in an, art, an article by the uh, I think it's called Brian Chesky. He's like a um, the co-founder of Airbnb, mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of is part of my my 2016 uh, kind of vision of what we're trying to do. Um, and it was um, this is really very cliche. I'm so sorry for this, um, <laughs> but but it's um, make life longer. And what he means by that is um, you know if you carry on getting into the same routines all the time. You know, a lot of those memories and things like that, they they, they blur into one when you look back. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, when you're going out and constantly trying out new things, actually, they all stand out as each individual memories. And it feels like you are genuinely living for a longer time. So, and that kind of resonated with me a lot. And that, not just because I'm working on a travel startup, but genuinely, I think that is such a cool way of, of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's what I'm going to try and do in the, in the future even more so and not let myself get bogged down into too many routines or doing you know or staying in in my comfort zone Mm -hmm. you know be a bit more uncomfortable even more so even though i'm doing a startup which is very uncomfortable at times (laughs) um and actually go out and try new things uh constantly whether that means traveling to a new place you know Mm -hmm. not going for your your standard saturday night out or not going to a guinness factory but going to a heineken one instead i don't know (laughs) Um, and 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 doing that and for me i think that's a you know, it should be an amazing way to, to live your life, I think. Yeah, Definitely. I'm totally with you on that one. I've been experimenting with that myself lately. And November and December seem like really long months compared to the last year as a whole, mm-hmm. just from trying mm-hmm. that out. So it really, really does work. Maybe you have to get out of your comfort zone and maybe see if you can get Airbnb as a partner because I could see that fitting pretty well. Mm. It's great that you say that, actually. Um, we'll get that recorded and, uh, and, and sent over to them. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say as well because... See how that goes. Um, 
I remember when I was kind of after uni thinking about doing all the traveling thing and I was just getting, I mean, I think I signed up to like every single potential like these travel bookers and they used to send me like literally a plastic magazine like like every three months or something. I was just thinking like it'd be so perfect for you to have just a like, leaflet in the front that comes with those and then it's right there and then. And I can imagine because I got so many of them, I was opening them and seeing and obviously I was thinking about what bags to get and I had to go on Amazon and buy all the different things. So I don't know if you guys are already trying to get yourselves in those magazines that they send out all the time. We are we are starting to working on a few, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. drawing up the leaflets as we speak. <laughs> well, they're already printed on their way. Don't you worry. Excellent. It's great stuff, man. Good stuff. So obviously, if someone's listening, they're thinking about going traveling, or they just want to find out more about what you guys do, where can they find you? Zach, um, God well, takes one. Follow Zach on Twitter. Zach's desperate for followers. It's definitely not at Zach Garton on Twitter. Um, um, Maybe for one of his one annual tweets. In terms of how to find uh, find more about Bagsy, um, the the best way um, is to find out more about us is on our website. So um, that's www.bagsy, which is B A G S W E.co.uk. Um, we've got everything there if you would like to, to buy one of our backpacks that'd be amazing um, or if you'd just like to find out a bit more about what's in it um, then that's all on there um, in a very easily laid out way we hope um, but if you find any sort of feedback or anything else like that we're always willing to, uh, to learn more um, about what you guys want or what you guys think as well so anyone listening in please do shout out to us um, we have uh, Facebook Twitter and an Instagram as well so um, again just Bagsy on Facebook um, our Twitter is Bagsy underscore travel and our Instagram is Bagsy travel. So uh, on any of those or all of them, uh, come and chat to us. That'd be amazing. There we are. A wonderfully fun little interview with Zach and Ollie from Bagsy. Yeah, I really like that one. I feel like it was just like old friends getting together having a discussion. It was. It was. Definitely be good to get those guys back on again and uh, kind of see where because Bags is quite a new business so let's see 2016 could be really big for them it certainly could so um, thanks very much for tuning in guys we hope once again that your first week of work is going really well and not too tiresome uh, we're firing on all cylinders at the moment so putting out blog posts and all sorts but we got a favour to ask if you love what you're listening to then please do hit us up on iTunes with a nice little review. As always, five star or more is very appreciated. Very appreciated, very much appreciated. Um, And also, hit us up on Twitter. We're sharing loads of content out on there on a regular basis. You can hit us up there on at pn underscore podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in, guys. And we will catch you next time. And remember, all the show notes will be over at powerfulnonsense.com. So, see you soon. (laughs) Nice one. Bye.